I think part of it is that we get bored easily and we like doing cool things and we're all golfers. And so the lens we look through is like, is this cool for golfers? Will golfers feel engaged when they do this? And we have to do our core job properly. Selling golf clubs is our business. So we have to be solid there. And then after that, we have somewhat of a pretty long leash as far as like, let's do cool things for golfers. Let's do things that golfers will find different and unique and that we'll be able to connect with them and give them an authentic or unique experience with our brand. And I think here at the Lynx at Petco, we're gonna have about 25 to 2,700 golfers come through it this week. For each of those golfers, we get to make a very meaningful impression on them. But I don't think that alone would be good enough. I think the next step is for the people who can't come, how can we use this platform as a way to create stimulating, engaging content that golfers around the world will find interesting? Hey there, mod golfers. Welcome to the Mod Golf Podcast, where we speak with the innovators and influencers who are boldly shaping the future of golf. I'm your host, Colin Weston, and today I am speaking with Nate Adelman. And Nate is the head of marketing with OGO and Callaway, but the reason we're talking to Nate today is he is, I think it's fair to say, Nate, you are the visionary behind the links at Petco Park, which returns for the third year starting today, which we're recording this podcast on Thursday, October the 5th. So, Nate, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, and this is one of my favorite things to talk about, so I'm looking forward to it. I really do appreciate you taking the time, because I, I could just imagine how hectic your week is right now, going a million miles an hour in different directions, getting the Lynx at Petco Park uh, operating smoothly. So with that, why don't you tell our listeners what the Lynx at Petco Park is? Tell us about the dates and the hours of operation. So g- give us an overview of what's going on there and at the Padres ballpark there this week. Yeah, so the Padres and Callaway teamed up three years ago to create this thing we now call the Lynx at Petco Park, where we build a nine-hole golf course inside of the stadium. And it's real greens out in the outfield, and you get tee boxes spread out throughout the stadium. So everywhere from the upper deck to little corners, and our iconic finishing hole on top of the historic Western Metal Building in left field. Players wind through the stadium, so you're getting a stadium tour guided by, you have a caddy taking you through the stadium, pointing certain things out while getting to hit real golf shots with real golf balls to different locations in the stadium. This year, we stretched it out. We have a hole that is almost 170 yards, so you have to hit real golf shots. There's some risk-reward holes. You get rewarded for hitting good shots. You can play it safe to big parts of greens, or you can go right at pins, but It's something that I think real golfers appreciate the level of detail that goes into it. And beginner golfers appreciate how fun and accessible it is as well. This morning is our first day to the public. We're starting at 7 a.m. and we go every eight minutes tee times. You'd book it like a normal golf course. Our last tee times at 9.32 p.m. So we've got golfers playing till about 11 p.m. every night under the lights. So it's a pretty special week here. And I think the neighbors and the team and all the season ticket holders appreciate seeing the stadium transformed into something very different than its normal use. Amazing. So if I get this right, that's about 90 minutes you have for players to get through for the the nine holes. Is that correct? Yeah, it takes about 90 minutes. The way it works is you have nine tee boxes set up throughout the stadium and you get to take two shots from each tee box and we have a modified scoring system. So if you hit the ball on the green, you get a par. There's a 10 foot circle around each flag. If you hit it in the circle, you get a birdie. A hole-in-one is obviously a hole-in-one. In the rough is a bogey, and then in the stands is a double bogey. So you get two shots. You count your best towards your score. That way we eliminate having to go down, like getting from the upper deck down onto the field. It takes a very long time. So we eliminate the chipping and the putting aspect of it. We have a little modified scoring system. 
we have themes set up on every hole. So every hole is an opportunity to hit golf shots, but there's another experiential aspect to it. So some of the hole themes are more engaging than others. So some holes take a little longer because they're giving away food or drinks. This year we have canines for warriors. We partnered with that charity and they actually have service dogs out there. So you can play with the dogs while you're waiting to hit your shot. So it's a really fun experience besides just the golf part. The tour alone is worth the time. Nice. So it sounds like you have, and I've heard you quoted saying this, a real golf experience, and you've taken a lot of time and effort to make sure that detail is embedded into what you've created there at Petco Park. So let's drill down a little bit deeper here, because I really love the sport entertainment experience and the user experience or patron experience here. So can you walk me through, let's say for myself, if I show up there, let's say I was there this morning, can you walk me through the experience from the time I arrive to the time I leave the stadium? Yeah, so you'll come into the stadium and there's a red carpet that leads you to a temporary clubhouse that we set up in one of the nice hospitality areas of the stadium. And you'd go to the front desk and you check in just like you check in at your normal golf pro shop. They would tell you, depending on what time you got there, they would tell you to hang out for a little bit. You get a scorecard, you grab a pencil, and then you can hang out in the bar in the restaurant. We have in that pro shop, we have a bunch of logoed merchandise as well. So similar, you know, you buy your Pebble Beach polo. You can get a links at Peco Polo hat, jacket, head cover, golf balls, you name it. Everything you'd see in a normal golf shop. Then once your tea time's up, your caddy. Caddies are pod squad girls, which the pod squad is like the Padres cheerleaders. One of the pod squad will grab you. They're your caddy and they'll escort you. You start off with 18 golf balls, two for each hole. So the caddy will be carrying your golf balls for you and they'll walk you out to the first hole, which this year is right below the pro shop. So everyone, you can sit on the patio behind the pro shop and you can watch people tee off. Every hole has a bag of Callaway golf clubs set up on it with the appropriate clubs for the yardages. On every hole, there's also a Callaway host. So one of our employees will be standing on each hole and welcoming you to the hole, letting you know most of the shots are elevated. So they'll say this hole is 110, but today it's playing 95 and we've got a little left to right breeze today. A lot of people have been using the 56 with good success and they'll answer any questions from the golf aspect of it. And then on each hole, they'll be some sort of theme so on our second hole this year it's the highest location in the stadium we actually made it look like a mountaintop there's a fog machine so you feel like you're in the clouds we have some mountain goats up there there's some yodeling music (laughs) (laughs) and then you'll hit that shot and then between holes two and three we actually partnered for the second time with pro kids pro kids is the first tee of greater san diego chapter and pro kids is out there selling mulligans so for twenty dollars you get two extra golf balls That way, if you take two shots and you want a third, you can now do that. And that's really special to us because at Callaway, the game of golf has been fairly flat the last couple of years. So growing the game is really important, not just because it's a wonderful game and it has tremendous values that it gives to its players, but it's also important for Callaway as a brand and just for the health of golf. So we're very happy to welcome them back again this year. Last year, they raised enough money that they were able to fundamentally impact the amount of capital improvements they were able to make to their facilities. They were able to move some things up two or three years that they didn't think they'd have the budget for because just giving people a few extra golf shots here at the links at Petco. So for us, having them here is great for us. It's great for the experience for the players and it's great for 
the game of golf. And then you'll, you know, you'll continue on your round every hole. We have a camping theme hole. We have a Caddyshack hole. We have a sun hole. We have a donut. It's actually called the donut hole and they're giving out donut holes on the donut hole. Um, and then our last hole is the iconic hole on the top of the Western Meadow rooftop. So you kind of wind through the stadium. Actually, I forgot the one of the best holes is you actually go down through the clubhouse and you walk out onto the field and we have a shot off home plate. That's hole five this year. So you get to go on the field. You get to go in the tunnels where the players go. You get to see all the cool hospitality areas of the ballpark. And then you finish on top of the historic Western Meadow building, 127 yard hole. This year we shaped it like 17 at Sawgrass. So a little kidney bean shape with a protective bunker in the middle. And it actually plays the same yardage as Sawgrass as well. So we thought of all the little details there. And then once you finish, you'll walk back to the pro shop and you can get lunch, you can get a beer, you can hang out, you can watch more people tee off and you can hang out just like you would at a country club or at a golf course. Wow, that's it. I'm sold. I'm getting on a plane yeah. right now. I'll be down yeah. there in six hours. So uh, yeah, we need so you. Get, get my tea time. Although I guess it is a bit difficult now for because it is so popular over the six days. Are you sold out, or do you have a wait list going, or how how you? Yeah. Look at so that? we so this was something that we were really happy about. So the first year when we did this and we came up with this concept, us at Callaway were like, "This is cool. Like we think this is really cool. We know it. We think it's cool, but we were unsure how cool the public would think it was. So tickets went on sale the first year and it was just like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And uh, they put it to the season ticket holders first and it sold out in like two hours. We didn't know if it would sell out at all. But even without a proof of concept, without seeing it, no one had ever done this before. It was just like, yeah, we're doing this and sold out in two hours. So we added two more days and doubled the hours. Originally, it was only going to go till 5 p.m. So we started earlier and finished later. And those sold out in like five hours when we released that. And it didn't even get to the general public. It was just the season ticket holders. So the next year, which was last year, we added two extra days again, made it eight minute tea times instead of 10 minute tea times. And in the first, I think two or three hours, we we sold out more than we had capacity the prior year. We have some premium, like really premium tea times that include a custom Callaway MD3 milled wedge that has Padre logo and Padre colors on it. So some of those tea times that you get a lot elevated of experience, those ones lingered a little bit longer, but really not that long. And then this year, pretty much the same story. We sold out all of our standard tea times in a matter of hours. And then we had a couple we held back and we actually just released a few more last night. The last of them, which I don't expect to last much longer than today. But again, yeah, it's our, it'll be our third year of a total sellout. So unfortunately for our listeners, because we will be releasing this podcast on Monday, October 9th, there's still two days left for the links at Petco Park, but it'll be sold out. So you have to wait and get your tickets for next year. I wanted to circle back here to one of the earlier things you mentioned, and that is the philanthropic side or the charitable platform that you've created here. That is fantastic. Part of growing the game there and giving back the fact you now have this ability, not only creating this awesome experience and something that's really fun and engaging, but the fact you guys can give back in a meaningful way and making an impact. It must mean a lot to you guys and really fuel you guys to do the best you possibly can to make this event what it is. 
Oh, there's no doubt about that. I think over the years, we've kind of realized how special of an event this is and what we've created. It resonates to a lot of different people. We have this platform where we can do really cool things. The way I looked at it was we didn't want people to feel like they had to take their wallet out on every hole. But if we had partners that could add to the experience to not only make it a better experience for the people playing, but we could also do good at the same time, that was a win-win for everyone. And so this year, especially because of the success we had with Pro Kids last year, we obviously, we invited Pro Kids back and they're thrilled to be here and we're happy they're here. But we also added two more this year. So Golf Fights Cancer is a charity that was started by our current PGA Tour commissioner, but it's a charity that has a lot of big hitters who are running it in sports and they're helping with finding a cure for cancer. And so we have them on hole five, which is the one on home plate. And what they're doing this year is Callaway, we donated some custom San Diego Padre Truvis golf balls. So our Callaway Truvis golf balls, they look kind of like a soccer ball. And inside of the Pentagon, we put the Padre logo. But the other thing, the Pentagons themselves, we actually made as home plates this year. So they're really cool. You cannot buy them. And then what we did there is if you make a $20 donation is a bet on yourself, and then you make a birdie on that hole, you get a dozen of these golf balls. So you're tripling or more the value of your donation if you make a birdie. So making it more fun, giving the players a little action, you know, everyone likes a a bet here and there when they're playing golf and also giving away something really, really cool and limited that you can't even buy anyway. So that one we're really excited about. I'm going to go check on, I know the early results are in that people are in fact betting on themselves. So that's good for Golf Fights Cancer and that's good so we can give away some cool golf balls. The other one, which I briefly mentioned earlier was Canines for Warriors. So Canines for Warriors had partnered up with a company, Puppies Make Me Happy. And Puppies Make Me Happy has a line of apparel called Puppies and Golf. And so they basically sell these t-shirts that have puppies on them, like holding golf balls. So the Puppies Make Me Happy donated all the t-shirts. And so anything that people buy, all that money goes to Canines for Warriors. The best part, we built a, a whole dog play area up there on top of the Western Metal rooftop. So at all times, there's multiple dogs up there. So players can play with the dogs, feed the dogs, whatever they want to do. And it helps because the last hole, people don't want to leave. So they end up lingering up there for a while. So what better way to do that than to be raising money for a good cause and also get to play with some dogs. It sounds like you've extended the overall experience here from just nine holes of golf with such impactful charitable aspect there too. So that's wonderful. Congratulations on that. So as our listeners know, I am a bit of a startup junkie. And one thing I do love, and I will ask all of my guests this question is like, what was the aha moment? What was the inception? How did it start? So let's go back a couple years first here, Nate, and tell us the story of how the links at Petco Park came to be. Yeah, so the this is a kind of funny story, and I was in the right place at the right time to be a part of it, but the Padres had been trying to get a hold of us for a while to do a partnership, some sort of sponsorship, the typical stuff that sports teams do, you know, whether it's a sign in the stadium or digital marketing or, or whatever it is. And at Callaway, we think a little differently in how we approach advertising and marketing, and for us, that wasn't quite as appealing, but the Padres were persistent, and they finally called up and said, hey, we have a really crazy idea, but we want to tell you in person. So this conversation happened with our executives. I was pretty new at Callaway at the time, and I'm talking to one of our directors of marketing, and he's asked me what I'm up to for the weekend. And I said, oh, my San Francisco Giants, I'm a Bay Area guy. I was like, my Giants are in town playing the Padres. I was going to try to go to the game. 
And he's like, oh, do you want to go tonight? And I was like, oh, you got tickets? He's like, no, the Padres invited us, but I don't know that any of us can go. Like, right. do you want to go? And I was like, you're going to send me to go to the Giants game for free? And <laughs> the Padres said they were going to put us in the suite. And I was like, uh, yeah, this sounds like the best deal ever. Yeah. So two of us, we, we went down to the game just to go to the game to watch the Giants play. And the Padres came and sat down next to us, one of their marketing people. And she said, hey, we have this crazy idea. And we're like, what's that? And she's like, well, we want to play golf here. And I'm like, go on. That sounds cool. But what do you mean by that? Like, that could mean a lot of different things. And they're like, well, actually, we don't know. We haven't got that far. We figured that's where you come in because Callaway knows golf. We don't really know golf. But hypothetically, if we open the doors for you, what would you guys want to do? And so we spent the rest of the game thinking about that. And growing up, for me, playing golf and going to sports venues, I'd always be sitting there thinking, man, what club would I hit to hit the scoreboard? What club would I hit to hit it a, a home run? And I was like, dude, they're going to let us, they might be willing to let us do that. Like actually try something that we've always wanted to do. So there was a bunch of ideas that went around, whether it's a putting course, whether it's a chipping course, whether it's a hybrid of the two. But ultimately, because we believe at Callaway, it's important to us that it has to be a real authentic golf experience. So for us, we wanted real golf balls, real golf shots. We didn't want it to be a mini putt. We didn't want it to be a gimmick or, or anything like that. We wanted it to feel real. So looking at that framework, we came up with this concept. How could we logistically make this work? Originally, we were like, should we put up nets so we could go down and putt? But physically getting there was a challenge. So ultimately, it was a collaboration between some of us at Callaway, some of us at the Padres, coming up with the concept that we ultimately landed on. Now, at Callaway, we're not a hospitality company. We're not an event company. And so for us, we came up with this cool concept, but then pulling it off was a whole nother animal, right? Something like this doesn't fall under any department in the marketing group or any other part of Callaway. So we're sitting in a meeting and we're talking about like, who's going to be responsible for this? How are we going to do this? And I had played baseball through college. I'm a huge baseball fan. I love baseball. And they were like, well, Nate, you're a baseball guy, so why don't you take this one? In my mind, I'm thinking like, that is the worst rationale ever to make me responsible for something <laughs> like this, but heck yeah, I'll definitely do that. Like, Go for it. <laughs> for sure, yeah. I'm like, heck yeah, no no doubt about it. I'd love to do that. So uh, it's a real privilege to have been responsible for the relationship that we have with the Padres and everything we do and to kind of be at the helm of this event. And I will say, I would say I'm steering the ship somewhat, but I'm certainly not powering the ship. And we have hundreds of people at Callaway that contribute to putting on something like this, not to mention all the volunteers that are here every single day, our design team to create our scorecards and the graphics and our media team to come cover it and get photography and video content. But then there's probably a team of at least 100 people on the Padres side as well. Their events team is unbelievably creative. All of the whole themes and being able to create that hospitable environment comes from them. The work they do with the pod squad and managing their facility and parking and all of that stuff. So it really is hundreds of people that come together to make something like this. And I genuinely believe that this is an event that neither the Padres nor Callaway could do on our own. But together, we create something better than anything we could do by ourselves. So it's two very, very different companies that we have differing skills and expertises, and we put them together and we create something that for all the golfers who come play it is a very special experience. I love that story. Fantastic example of partnerships and synergies that you actually have there between two organizations that come together. The other thing I love about this too, Nate, is this really speaks to 
the Callaway company culture from the top down from the leadership? Because it would have been very easy when the Padres came to you with this. It's like, oh, we don't really know what we want. It's like, how long is a piece of string? And you could have found a hundred reasons to say, yeah, this doesn't fit in our marketing spend. You know, what's the return on investment? You know, what's the revenue model? And lots of companies would go there. But the fact Callaway did not, and you looked at this as an opportunity without really knowing what the ultimate end game of this thing was and, you know, taking a risk, I think that it really kind of shows the innovative startup culture that you have within Callaway that obviously you are an instrumental part of now. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I think part of it is really that we get bored easily. We get bored easily and we like doing cool things and we're all golfers. And so the lens we look through is like, is this cool for golfers? Will golfers feel engaged when they do this? And like you said, our management, we have to do our core job properly, right? Selling golf clubs is our business. So we have to be solid there. So supporting our products and supporting our sales force and making sure that we're providing the educational aspects and the awareness to sell our core products, which is golf clubs. That's a given. That has to be in place. And then after that, we have somewhat of a pretty long leash as far as like, let's do cool things for golfers. Let's do things that golfers will find different and unique and that we'll be able to connect with them and give them an authentic or unique experience with our brand. And I think here at the Lynx at Petco, we're going to have about 25 to 2,700 golfers come through it this week. Wow. For each of those golfers, we get to make a very meaningful impression on them because they're not only experiencing our brand, they're meeting our employees, they're using our golf balls, they're using our golf clubs, and there's tons of our apparel and clothing and hats. But I don't think that alone would be good enough. I think the next step is for the people who can't come, how can we use this platform as a way to create stimulating, engaging content that golfers around the world will find interesting? And so we've invested heavily in our ability in video production and audio production. So we have have like our whole video team out here yesterday and they'll be back later in the week but we're able to collect a lot of really cool content collect a lot of things that golfers around the world will find interesting or entertaining and then we get to share that through our channels and through some of our media partners channels as well so callawaygolf.com slash the links is like the the headquarters of all this so throughout the week we'll be updating scoreboards and videos and anytime a player makes a hole in one they get uh, an animation of themselves on our website as well. So it's using this cool platform that we created really to distribute with golfers everywhere, not just the 2,500 people that are here at Park this week. Yeah. What I love about this also, yeah, this entrepreneurial culture that is encouraged and supported within the organization would make you, there's a term that they actually call established businesses like Callaway that have that entrepreneurial spirit and they create what's called intrapreneurs. So entrepreneurs inside an organization. I certainly consider you, Nate, as an entrepreneur with what you're doing there. And on that note, I also find it interesting within the corporate culture, that level of trust and safety you must have there. Because for you then to come in and say, okay, yeah, I'll put my hand up and I'll do this. But in some organizations, you would think, well, I'm not going to do that because what if I fail? And what if this doesn't work? This will look bad on me long term. It could affect my career detrimentally. But obviously, there's that trust there for you to take a chance and not be punished if things didn't quite work out. Would you say that's true within the culture at Callaway? Oh, absolutely. Without a doubt. And it's the thing that I like the most, I think, is a lot of the stuff that I get the most excited about or the stuff that I've been fortunate to be a part of have been stuff that was not part of the job description that I was hired to do. And for me, that's what keeps it interesting. And I think it's somewhat of a self-selecting group. The people who that's exciting to them 
there's tons of room to do that. And the people who feel more comfortable doing more structured or more laid out traditional fulfilling their job responsibilities, they can do that too and also be successful. I think the big thing, it's a tight line to walk, right? So we want to be flexible and to be innovative, but at the same time, we can't lose sight of our key responsibilities. And I think the company does a very good job of having a good balance of we take care of the things we have to take care of and then we have some room to operate where we can do some different stuff and be flexible and some of the different approaches to market or different product launches or different marketing activations. But I think the key to anything, the biggest key to it is not being afraid to realize when something is not going the way you or hoped or expected and putting your pride aside and being like, okay, we tried that. That's cool. Let's learn from it. But let's actually move on. Let's not be so stubborn that we have to keep pushing this idea that might not work. So I think the group of people we work with is absolutely fantastic people who are collaborative, inclusive, creative, hardworking. And I don't know that I've seen a situation where one of my colleagues was not really excited and passionate about something, talked it through with a bunch of people, maybe got some improvements to their idea, and then wasn't able to at least see it through to see whether or not this is something we can do. And some of our best ideas have come that way. And some of the most creative and innovative things we're doing in marketing now were things that started on the side with, uh, hey, what if we tried this? You think that might work? And for everyone that works, there might be two or three that or four that didn't work, but throwing a bunch of stuff on the wall and seeing what sticks. And then similar with our products, when we find a product that people really resonate, like Chrome Soft, we'll drop a bunch of other stuff and ride that. And it's the same thing with marketing ideas. And that strategy in terms of innovation is we'll find Find the thing that seems to stick and resonate and then ride it until we get bored and then find something new. I do quite a bit of work also in the tech startup space. And there's this methodology called the lean startup. I don't know if you're familiar with this and the lean startup feedback loop. What you're describing here, both on the product side and also with the experiential side with the links at Petco Park, where they talk about this feedback loop of build, test, measure, and then iterate again. And you guys have this feedback loop of 12 months, of course, here. So enhancing what works and reducing or eliminating what doesn't, and then adding new features based on the feedback that you received. And it sounds like you guys really, really embrace that. So with that, I'm, I'm curious, can you tell us some things that perhaps didn't work in year one or year two that you decided that you realized that, uh, or just didn't resonate with people that you've dropped off and other things that you've, I know you mentioned a lot that you've added here, but maybe you can mention a couple as part of that process that perhaps didn't yeah. work that as you, uh, as you started out of the gate. Yeah, so the first links at Petco we did was the check-in was in one location and it was almost more like a Disneyland ride where you checked in at point A, you go through the whole course and then you finish at point Z and then you leave and go to your car. What we realized there was from a flow standpoint, it made sense and it worked, but we ended up not having a centralized location for people to start and stop and hang out. And so as a result, we had all this food and beverage and we had all this hospitality expecting people to hang out. But when only one group finishes every 10 minutes, there never really reached a critical mass for people to actually spend time and enjoy and stick around. And so one of the things for year two we really wanted was to fix that and to create it like a real golf course where you'd start and finish in one centralized location. And it made a huge difference to the number of minutes, hours that people would hang out after the round because they knew that they could come back to this place. And so that was a big one in terms of just an experience that you feel like it was closer to the real golf experience, but also just a better experience. We're in the middle of downtown San Diego and there's tons of fun bars and restaurants. So 
how are we going to compete with that if we don't have that one place that we can invest in? So that was a big one that I'm really excited about. T-Box locations was one of those where we saw certain T-Box locations just didn't work because either they were too exposed. There was one T-Box location the first year that was getting peppered with balls from a different hole that would bounce off the concourses and balls would come up there. So obviously safety is a huge thing. So we moved some of those around and certain things that we thought would be really important also turned out not to be. So we thought that people wouldn't be able to tell which golf ball was there. So we had a different color golf ball for every hole. And we had a big four big shared greens instead of individual ones. And we realized it was actually pretty easy to follow your ball that we didn't need that complication. So we could simplify that. And this year we actually have eight greens out in the outfield instead of just four. So every year it's like people say, how long does this take to plan? And it's literally like from day one, I'm already taking notes on this really worked well, this we need to change. I'm happy to say, and it's, I guess it's a good sign for all the competency of Callaway and, and the Padres that the list is very, very short so far this year. So we've learned something. We're really, really proud of what we built, not only the routing, but the course design, the hospitality. So each year we're getting a little better and the list of things to change is getting a little bit shorter, which is nice. Good stuff. So it sounds like, yeah, you guys are getting it down, just refining it as you go in year three here. So with that, I'm getting back to entrepreneurial culture and all startups. Now that you're a startup, but let's say inside of the organization, we want to treat this as a startup. They all want to scale up. Is there, as far as your overall strategy, now that you've kind of figured out the secret sauce that makes this thing work, is there any desire at Callaway to then take this to other stadiums during the year? Or does it just make sense for you to make this, is scarcity a good thing here and doing it once a year and actually focus on the quality, not the quantity? So what's your strategy on that going forward? Yeah, that's a great question that we debate actually a lot. And there's no doubt this is a really cool event that could work well in many, many places. Now, we do face some logistical challenges. The Northeast right now, it's very questionable weather. You can't really do it during the baseball season because we're laying down bunkers in the outfield. We're putting trees out there. We're mowing the grass in weird ways. And actually, from the very beginning, the way this whole idea even came about was in February at Petco Park, there's the monster trucks. So the monster trucks fill 80,000 tons of dirt into the stadium. And as part of that deal, because they're selling out the stadium multiple nights, they pay to redo the field every spring. And so the Padres, to their credit, were like, hey, if monster trucks are paying to redo it, let's figure out ways we can destroy it before that. <laughs> and so, so doing it during the season is tough. So yeah. it limits some of the markets to when you can do it. But that doesn't say in summertime when football season is done, you could do it in a football stadium. And after the first year, we actually got calls from probably 30 to 40 organizations across all the four major sports and many colleges as well that, hey, come do this here. But there's some challenges to rolling it out that have been fundamental to us. So, for example, this event is very, very special. By no means is it something that Callaway turns a big profit on. For us, it's about creating the experience. It's about creating content that we we can then share. And content is a marketing expense. So it's something that we get a lot of use out of, but we also pay for it. The other thing is the amount of manpower that goes into pulling off this event. Every single hour that the stadium's open, we have about 13 to 15 Callaway employees here who are either hosts on the holes or there's a couple of us that are overseeing, you know, addressing all the fire drills that come up and any of the logistical stuff. So for example, this morning, the entire engineering department is here 
and they all wanted to work together. So this morning at Callaway Golf, they're not doing any engineering. So that's fundamental to our business that we can't simply afford to do if we rolled this out in a 10 stadium tour, for example. And we couldn't fly people to New York if we want to do that. The fact that this is in our backyard makes it possible. And so for Callaway, our focus, since we had our new leadership with Chip Brewer as our CEO about five years ago, our focus has to be golf products first and innovating with golf products and breakthroughs like our Epic Driver this year. That has to be our first and foremost priority. That's where our resources need to go. So it's one of those things that we get a lot of benefit from this from a marketing standpoint, but the marginal benefit to do it 15 times a year in every city is much lower and it's logistically harder and it distracts us from our core business, which is golf clubs. So we're very happy with making it the original and the best stadium golf experience experience out there in the market. And in our vacancy of wanting to roll it out, we actually are now seeing some knockoffs and some competitors try to fill the landscape. I personally don't believe the experience they create is quite as special or as unique, but it seems like there are some people trying to get a bite out of what we do. But for us, we're happy with doing it the best that we can do it. And in our opinion, the best one out there here in San Diego, and I think we're going to keep it there. It sounds like you're focusing on quality over quantity and it manages to serve the purposes that you want. And one of those is extending your brand or talking about why you do it. You and I had an earlier conversation. I was mentioning Simon Sinek, who has a very famous YouTube TEDx talk called Start With Why and with corporate culture, where he says it's not what you do, it's why you do it. That is the most important thing. And I can just pick this up in your voice here, Nate, that the why, the culture of why we do it at Callaway is very strong rather than the message of we make some of if not the best golf equipment in the world do you want to buy some you flip it around and through everything you're doing with your media channels and the culture you're creating people are then drawn into it rather than you actually trying to chase them down is that a fair assessment there with what's going on at callaway Yeah, I think we subscribe to, which is different than some of our competitors, but we subscribe to this idea of their spheres of influence. There's not one thing that makes golfers tick or that makes people want to purchase something, especially and when they want to purchase something. People aren't always in the market to buy golf clubs, but that doesn't mean they don't still like golf and want to consume cool golf content. For us, we believe that every individual is at the center of their own universe and the center of their own spheres. And certain people value different things more. So the traditional model in golf has always been this pyramid idea where what tour players play trickles down to your club pro, which trickles down to your best players, which trickles down to all the instructors and trickles down to the consumer. We see it a little differently. We believe the golfer is at the middle and all around them are different influence points. So some could be Golf Digest hot lists. Some could be the tour players. Some could be what their friend plays. Some could be what their dad gave them. What Some could be what their instructor is. Some could be cool video content or you know, we've partnered with some unsuspecting golf partners like Vice Sports, for example. Some people could see stuff on there. It's not our place to tell you what is the most important and what should be the ways to influence you, but it is our job to try to be relevant and present in all those potential touch points. And so for us, for some of those people, we're hitting a touch point with Links at Petco, making the game a little more fun, making it a little accessible, make it take a little less time that it might not be relevant to the guy who plays three times a week at his exclusive private club, but that's okay. And so for us, we just try to put ourselves in the shoes of all the golfers and try to be relevant in all those touch points and do cool things and hopefully connect with the golfers so that when they are ready to purchase a golf club, we'll be there waiting for them. Nice. And to that last point there, to follow it up, 
I'm curious if you have any data, if you actually do surveys with the people after they finish playing. You know, Topgolf does this. Apparently, of the, the 8 million people that played at Topgolf last year, almost half of them had never swung a golf club before. Talking about growing the game here and getting clubs in the hands of people that have never played to kind of grow it and use it as kind of the gateway to new golfers. Do you have any data or insights of how many people have never played the game or consider themselves a beginner that are now coming out and enjoying nine holes at the links at Petco Park? Well, I can tell you by some of the shots we see that bounce off crazy places in the stadium that there are definitely are a fair share of beginner golfers, and that's good. We've created a safe environment right. for that, and we have safety precautions in place to protect all the holes and all the people. But definitely, I don't have exact numbers on who's new and who's not, but the fact that the equipment is provided and the fact that whether you birdie every hole or you double bogey every hole, everyone still takes 18 shots, so it's not a matter of slowing anything down. This is definitely a more accessible version of the sport. But yes, we have a ton of beginners here. Experience level of golfer doesn't actually really matter here. And I think that's a good thing. And I think that's why, even though the overlap of, let's say, Padres season ticket holders and golfers might not be one to one, it's very widespread of people's affinity for the event. And so I've heard anecdotes of people who have said, Oh, I never tried a Callaway wedge before Links of Pico, and I went and bought some because of that. I've heard a couple anecdotes like that, but that's just icing on the cake for us. That's a little less important for us than being able to connect with golfers and be seen as, oh, Callaway's making the game more fun or Callaway's making it more accessible. That's what's really important to us. And that's the message that you're sending just by doing it once again, getting back to your why. And that's why if someone, if they're in a store to buy a golf club, they've got two wedges sitting beside each other. That's why they'll go to yours because they then connect with that. It's an unconscious decision then for them to actually buy that because they associate you guys with fun, which I know you guys are between what you guys are creating there at Petco Park, all the media and content creation you have going with Callaway Live and things that with Harry Arnett. So, hey, I can talk all day about this. I get so excited, but I know you've got a, an event to run there. So I got to let you go here, Nate. So before I do, please tell our audience where they can see what's going on this week. The links at Petco Park on social media, also through the CallawayGolf.com website. And also tell us a few of the entrepreneurial things that you have going on personally. Yeah, so to follow on with the links at Petco, it's CallawayGolf.com slash the links. And all of our social media handles on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, cool videos, cool pictures, scoreboard, all of that. But at Callaway, like you said before, I think entrepreneurship, like you said, is a real thing. And one of the things that I've been a part of that I think might be relevant to your listeners is we saw a void in the market in terms of reliable golf club technical and custom fitting information. People will ask, what do I need to tip this shaft or do I need this weight or this flex or this loft? Or lie and you go on some of these prominent golf blogs and you might get one question with seven answers and six of them might be wrong or all of them might be wrong and so we have access to a lot of smart people and fitting data and research and the guys who design the equipment so we started a podcast called the fitting room podcast which is every other week and every week we dive into a topic that is very technical in terms of a custom fitting so for those listeners that are more of the technical type or as we affectionately call them the golf geeks or the equipment nerds, which I am fully one of those people. We welcome you to listen, have a listen, and hopefully you'll learn something and promise you we'll provide you with the full picture and try to help you better understand why things are happening with your golf clubs and what the adjustability is all about and when you see certain ball flights, how to fix it. But it's all about custom fitting and getting really, really into the weeds in terms of the technical and the physics aspects of why golf clubs do what they do. Well, I'm a nerd when it comes to that too, so I will go binge on that a little bit later after our team edits this podcast. 
So Nate Adelman, one of the visionaries behind the links at Petco Park and also head of marketing at OGO and Callaway. Nate, hey, thanks for your time today. This has been amazing. Thank, thanks so much for telling yeah, us about th- it. Thank you for letting us share a little bit of our story. Good stuff. Well, good luck this week. I'm sure it's going to be great. So bye for now. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Nate Adelman, the co-creator of the links at Petco Park. Use the hashtag the links at Petco to see firsthand the fun golf experience Callaway and the San Diego Padres have created. I want to take a moment to thank you, our listeners, for helping build our community of like-minded people who are passionate about the future of golf. One of my guests said that the podcast is creating a tribe of mod golfers, so I guess that makes me a mod golfer. I hope you want to be considered a mod golfer too. To learn more, go to our website, modgolf.fireside.fm, where you'll find links to the topics and content we covered in this episode. And please go to iTunes to rate the show and give us some feedback to help us continually improve the Mod Golf Podcast. I'm your host, Colin Weston. You can reach us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at ModGolfPodcast. Please join me next week when I'll have more stories from the innovators and influencers creating the future of golf. Bye for now.